Well, there are some big brands in the Big Ten as Oregon gets set to join in 2024, but the Ducks, they can be near the top when it comes to the biggest brands in the Big Ten. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day if you're watching on YouTube. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day and your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. If you have not already, please like, comment, subscribe, rate, review wherever you listen to or watch this show. We hit 3,000 on YouTube. Subscriptions. We're trying to get to four. That's the way the game is played. Thank you all so much. Today's episode brought to you by LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. So we're off to the Big Ten talking about that, the expectations there, and the, I think, lesser effect on recruiting it has than some people may think. But all that coming up on today's show. But When I look at Oregon and where they're headed into the Big Ten next year, they are not going to be as they would have been had they remained in the pack, had the Big Ten never come calling for Oregon and Washington. They were never going to be in the Big Ten, and they will never be a big fish in a small pond. Or even, I think you could argue from a brand and just pedigree standpoint, the biggest fish. I don't think that they're going to be there. They can be near the top, though. They can certainly be one of the top I'd say two or three at their best, and at the worst, top five or six. And I'm talking name brand recognition, recruiting potential, potential, and actual winning on the field. Program program pedigree, right? Like that's this is a program podcast. Podcast, by the way, for all of you who uh, were unaware. But I mean, as I go into facetious mode here, looking at the other big brands in the. Uh, in the Big Ten and comparing them to the Ducks. I'll get back to serious mode here in a moment. But last time I checked, we beat Ohio State at the Horseshoe in 2021, and they were just too scared to come to Hudson Stadium. Obviously, how could you blame them? Uh, Michigan doesn't want to be reminded of what happened the last time we played them on the football field. The blowout in the big house is what everyone was calling it. Everyone from California to uh, the state of Maine, I believe, was referring it to as that. I don't know exactly what a Nittany Lion is. So I'm not that worried about it. We, we, we fended off the Golden Bears for a long time. I think we'll be all right against the Nittany Lions. And beating Wisconsin in the Rose Bowl is like our favorite annual pastime. So, um, okay, we're back to serious mode. I just, I had to throw those jabs out there. It's too much fun. But I, I think that on, on a serious note, when you look at where Oregon stands in terms of where they should fall in the Big Ten standings, yeah, they'll be one of the top teams every year. Now, there's going to be some fluctuation there because you have Michigan and Ohio State. They run the league right now. But in comes Oregon. In comes USC. In comes Washington. And in comes UCLA. I think UCLA is probably going to be a little bit more of a mid-tier program, but I think they'll be closer to the top than the bottom as long as Chip Kelly's their head coach. So I I think that those programs are the ones you're going to be looking at year in and year out as, hey, these are the conference contenders. These are the teams that can win the league. These are the teams that can make a college football playoff appearance and perhaps run. 
It's the Ohio States, the Michigans, the Oregons, the USC's, the Penn States, the Wisconsin's, the Washington's of the world. Those are kind of the schools. And I think Oregon really has the opportunity to entrench themselves in, in the upper level of the conference. Certainly, at the very least, in the upper half, it's an 18-team league. But I'd say in the upper third. I think that's how this is going to be kind of viewed as time goes on with this mega conference. You're going to have teams that you know, more readily project as kind of like a middle tier team, a bottom tier team, and an upper tier team. And they're going to be much more distinct because you have more teams in there. I think Oregon can be an upper tier team year in and year out. Now, that's dependent upon several factors, including but not limited to Dan Lanning becoming the best version of himself as a head football coach. Because right now, what we've seen from Dan Lanning has been really, really good. But there is still room to grow. We haven't seen him build a dominant defense yet. I sure hope he's going to be able to. I sure hope Oregon's at least going to have an above average, a really good defense now or sometime in the future or going forward, that they're able to recruit that caliber of player, that they're able to build those sorts of defenses, call them Saturday in and Saturday out, and execute throughout the course of an entire season. That's what we're looking for, but we haven't seen that yet, so it's dependent upon that. And then there's the quarterback side of things. Dan Lanning probably is going to have to make, during his tenure as the Ducks head coach, another offensive coordinator hire. If Will Stein does really, really well, which we all want him to, he's probably around for two or three years, and then he'll become a head coaching candidate. Heck, he could become a head coaching candidate after one season if he knocks it out of the park sufficiently. I mean, if Oregon goes to the college football playoff this year, Will Stein is going to be a hot commodity in coaching circles, as he should be. He's a young guy, seen as an up-and-comer. So far, so good on the recruiting front. So I, I think that's all going to play into how Oregon succeeds in the Big Ten and what their, what their brand's going to be there, how they establish themselves, the amount of success that they have, the recruiting battles that, that they're able to win and how well they're, they're able to recruit. I think all that kind of kind of fa- kind of factors in there, but I, I don't think there can be a year Oregon can win the Big Ten. Like I was saying, you know, kind of facetiously earlier, I've seen them go toe to toe or be at the same level or a higher level in all of these programs. I've seen Oregon make the college football playoff. Penn State hasn't done that yet. I've seen Oregon beat Ohio State. I've seen us lose to Ohio State. I've seen Oregon win a college football playoff game. I haven't seen Michigan do that yet. I think Wisconsin is a really, really good, solid program. I think Luke Fickle's a really good coach. They haven't won a Rose Bowl or a New Year's Six game in a long time. So I think Oregon has shown the potential to be one of the top teams in the conference. The top team? No, I think that's still Ohio State. I mean, I know we beat them in 2021, but we all remember every matchup that took place before that. Rose Bowl in uh, 2010. Terrell Pryor and LeGarrette Blunt kicking the ball through the end zone. Gosh, that play was annoying. I was there for that game. Boy, that was an irritating one. But Chip just got a little bit too cute. Um, but the fly sweep had worked so well against us that we wanted to use it, and it was working, and then he just dropped it. It was unfortunate. But anyway, so that was the first matchup. Then you had the other matchup in, uh, in the national championship game in, in 2015, and Ohio State was just better. And then in 2021, Oregon was just better that day. So... If you can go toe-to-toe with Ohio State at or close to your peak as a program, which we've seen Oregon do, and I think they are capable of getting back to that conference championship sort of level under under Dan Lanning going forward, then, yeah, you can be one of the top brands in, in, in the Big Ten. But the top brand? No. It's going to be a crowded conference every single year. 
Like Ohio State, we know they just picked up a commitment from uh, Jeremiah McClellan, four-star wide receiver in the 2024 class. Ducks were after him, chose the Buckeyes. Not the first time we've seen a recruit choose Ohio State over Oregon. Not the first time Ohio State and Oregon have gone after the same kid. Because Ohio State recruits at a very high level, plays at a high level, wins at a high level. And they've had a lot of really, really good coaches come through there. Luke Fickle, Urban Meyer, Ryan Day. So, And we've seen it at Oregon as, as well. So I, I think that when you look at where Oregon can stand, I don't think it'll ever be. Like going forward in the pack, Oregon was going to be the premier program program from, from a football standpoint. Washington was going to be there as well, but Oregon was your biggest brand. They've been the most successful in the last 10, 15 years. But as you go to the Big Ten, you have more schools that are comparable, but Oregon doesn't get knocked down as much as there are just others that can rise up to that level in terms of brand power and success over the last 10, 15 years, right? You have, you know, your Penn States and Wisconsin's kind of just on a rung below, but then you have your Michigans and your Ohio States up there. And we know what USC is, is capable of when they have Lincoln Riley at the helm. So it's going to be a crowded conference year in and year out. But I think Oregon's more than capable of being right in, right in the thick of things. But uh, it's it's still a ways away, still a ways away. I wish it was further away. Heck, I wish it was never arriving at all. I wish things were different, but that's the world that we're in in college football. But speaking of the Big Ten, how how exactly are we going to measure success? Because all this plays into my next point, which is that success is going to be different in the Big Ten than it would have been in the once possible new pack. Lots of things are possible with LinkedIn jobs though, because these days every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes, high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain, not 98, not 99, 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free, which is really nice. Go in there, create a free job post, add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills, like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. Not too cold, not too hot, just right. Just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Going to need a lot of second segment sips going into the Big Ten. Got a lot of big boy programs over there. Lots of them. So... Mailbag time, always open. YouTube comments or hit me up on Twitter. Talked to a lot of you while I was uh, out of town on vacation. I am refreshed, refurbished, and rejuvenated in the best way possible. I'm so ready for this season, which is less than two weeks away. YouTube comments or Twitter at Smalls underscore 55 or at Locked on Ducks. DMs and mentions wide open. This one from Adam. Question. Now that we're in the Big Ten starting in 2024, would you rather come short of the playoffs every year and always be below the Ohio States and Michigans to go and win the Rose Bowl or a big bowl game every single year or make the playoff every year but never make it to the championship, always finishing one step short? Not something I'm worried about in reality, but fun question nonetheless. Can't wait for the season. Go Ducks. So first thing to understand is that there are not going to be in a 12-team playoff major bowl games 
like a New Year's Six BCS kind of label that aren't college football playoff games. There are still going to be bowl games because contrary to popular belief, they do still make money and people do still watch them. I mean, if you can get between one and four million people watching a college football game, which is what the bowl games draw because there just aren't that many opportunities to watch college football throughout the year. Even if it's a game that doesn't have playoff implications, people still tend to watch. That gets eyeballs. That gets advertising dollars, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think I have to explain that business model to all of you. I feel like you're probably pretty well informed of it at this point. So that's going to be a little bit different in the 12-team era. My understanding is that the six playoff games or that all the big playoff games will take place at the at the current New Year's Six playoff sites. So you'll have games, right? You have four first-round games. Is that right? Yeah, four first-round games, four seconds. So maybe a couple could get left out. I, I'm not entirely certain of how they're adjudicating all that sort of stuff. But basically, not playing in one of those bowl games is going to feel kind of like it did before. Like, ah, this is a little bit less. Like, ah, we didn't quite have the season that 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 we were looking for there. But the answer to your question is I would rather make the championship in a in a 12th in a 12 team format i would rather make the playoff and lose than not make it because we are doing something that i am absolutely repulsed by which is considerably devaluing the regular season and making it all about a postseason structure which has never been what's made college football great but when do i get what i want in these conversations when you are doing that it becomes about getting to the postseason and giving yourself the best chance you can. Now, in this four-team format, there are times where I would rather go to the Rose Bowl and win than go to the playoff and get blasted. Because if we don't actually have a chance, I would rather end the season on a positive note, get a big-time win, get momentum for the program, carry it over on the recruiting front, carry it over into preseason polls, and everything like that. And I look at the 2019 season as a perfect example. That was a really good Oregon team. They had a lot of really good players. They had Kayvon Thibodeau, they had Troy Dye, and they had probably the best secondary Oregon has had in the last 15 years. It's just NFL guys across the board. Thomas Graham, Diamondor Lenore, Verone McKinley has found a roster. Javon Holland is a stud. Brady Breeze, I, I think, made a roster with the, the Detroit Lions. Like, there are ballers all over the place there. That team, as good as it was, for various reasons, we could talk about them at length. A lot of them have to do with the offensive philosophy. They were not even close to the team that won the national championship that year. That was LSU. So would I rather have played LSU and gotten oklahoma basically. Oklahoma was down, I think it was 49 to 14 at the half. Like the, game, like the game was a joke. Who had a better end to their season? Was it Oklahoma or was it Oregon? It was Oregon. They ended with a win. They had a lot more momentum going into the offseason. That sort of stuff matters in this sport. Now, did Oklahoma have a chance at the national championship technically and Oregon did not? Eh, yeah, sure. But how much of a chance did you actually have if you're playing a team that put up 50 points and a half, did you ever really have a chance? I'm going to go with no. You probably did not. You technically had a chance, but did you really? Eh, not really. So in the 12-team era, though, it's different. 
Like if you can't get into the 12 team playoff, even though, you know, Oregon's not going to win the Big Ten as often as they would have or could have or frankly have won the pack. Now, Oregon won it in 2019, they won it in 2020, won it in 2014, and then 2010 and 2011, or 2011 and, yeah, 11, 14, 19, 20. Those are the four Pac-12 titles, three and a half. But those, that that, that level of frequency, right, that's, you know, 11 to, to 23, there have been 13 seasons, and they've won, basically winning one out of every three years, that's not going to happen in the Big Ten. So... You have to look at what it, it now it depends on the schedule. Absolutely depends on the schedule, but it is a greater indictment of the team in a given year if we have playoff expectations and aspirations, which I know that we do, to not make it in a 12 team format compared to a four team. Because if you don't make it in the four team, you could still be a good football team and be in a good place and feel like you are building close to that magical season where you get over the hump. But if you're not getting into a 12 team playoff, Assuming there are two divisions in the Big Ten, which I presume you're going to have, or the tiebreakers would just be a nightmare, and I don't like divisions anyway, but the conference is so deep it might work out. I don't know. I don't think all that has been has been set in stone at this point in time. But you have to understand that a 10-2 and two in the Big Ten going forward is not going to be the same, most likely, as what a 10-2 and two might have been in the pack previously. Because... Or even this, like take this year, for example. If Oregon goes 10-2, and two, I would call that a successful season. I, I, I would say that is a successful season if they win 10, 11 games. If they win, let's say they go 11-1, and one, lose the Pac-12 championship to USC or Utah or whoever, they, they end up 11-2, and two, and, and then they go play someone in probably a New Year's Six Bowl game. That can be viewed as a successful season. But that 11-2... and two, is not the same as going 11 and 2 in the Big 10 because you have likely gone up against several heavy hitters. Now the pack is loaded this year. So it's a little bit different than than a, than a general year in the pack, but a conference that has Ohio State, Michigan, Oregon, Washington, USC, Wisconsin, Penn State, and I didn't even list teams that are capable of being good from time to time, like Purdue, Iowa, uh, I don't know, Minnesota, right? Those sorts of teams. I'm not particularly worried about them per se, but to say that those, that that, that group of teams isn't still better than what a really good Pac-12 is going to be this year, I, I think would be incorrect because that's just such a deep lineup. And you have, when you look at Oregon's schedule this year, there are uh, one, two, three, USC, Washington, Utah, Oregon State, Texas Tech. There are five games this year that I could see Oregon losing. I don't think they're going to win them all. I don't think they're going to lose them all. But they're kind of go-either-way games. In the Big Ten, I don't know exactly how they're going to do the schedule. But if we have a Power 5 non-conference opponent, I feel like that's going to be the case pretty much year in and year out. And you can make the case that top to bottom, the teams you play, depending on how the schedule shakes out, it's, that, is, that is tougher overall. So to, to answer your question here, uh, again, in the 12-team era, I would rather make it and not have any advancement at all, you know, losing in the first round or something, than I would not making it and winning a bowl game because the standard has been lowered. In the four-team, 
There are times if I don't think it's a national championship caliber team, I would rather just win the Rose Bowl, call it a great season, and build towards the next year and see how we can you know, better position ourselves to build that national championship caliber team like we did in 2014. But I don't think that in the 12-team format, it's going to feel quite that way. It doesn't mean there aren't going to be good bowl games, good matchups out there that can't be good, but it'll be viewed differently when you have, when you have a 12-team format out there for sure. Okay, had to take just a little little pause there. Just a little pause. Catch the breath, collect the thoughts, and keep things rolling. So, on the recruiting front, I had a couple people, not like a ton, but a couple people, reach, I think, a fairly understandable, though, in my view, incorrect conclusion about Oregon's recruiting with regards to this Big Ten announcement. So, Dakota Fields is a four-star cornerback who's got Oregon's recruiting class in 2024 back in the top 10 because he flipped from USC. He is one of uh, the the five, depending on which uh, metric you look at, highest rated recruits in in the 2024 cycle. And actually, as I look at uh, the 2024 recruiting class in 24-7, Oregon's still sitting there at, at number 12. So again, it depends on where you look. But regardless, Dakota Fields made headlines here, not just because he's a talented player and that we flipped him from USC, but that because he came out openly and said straight to the point what a lot of fans who were oh so worried about us not being in the Big Ten and who, were, and who probably love the Big Ten move right now, it's exactly what a lot of people were probably wanting to hear. He said, basically, I wasn't going to go to Oregon until they flipped to the Big Ten. I want to play against the best. I want to do this, that, and the other thing, etc., etc., etc. Now, this goes back to the question that you all know, or at least everydayers know, where I land on would you rather be a big fish in a small pond or a smaller fish in a bigger pond? We're going to be a smaller fish, though one of the bigger fish, as I talked about earlier in the show, We are going to be one of the bigger fish in a very big, very deep, very loaded pond rather than being a very big fish in a relatively smaller pond. And that's just the reality of the situation. You can like that. You cannot like that. But people were worried, well, you know, our recruit's going to do this. And then Dakota Field said, yeah, I wasn't going to do it until until they went to the Big Ten. So in Oregon's 2024 cycle, they have 22 verbal commitments at this point in time. 22 kids have said, I intend to play my college football at the University of Oregon. That has surmassed to a top 15 recruiting class at this point in time. Hopefully it will continue to get even better and they land a five-star or two. I noticed that of the 22, one, one, just one. He was the most recent one though, but it's still just one. One of them cited the conference affiliation as playing a factor. I have not stated that I don't think it matters or that it can help Oregon, but to say that we needed the Big Ten to recruit at a high level, I never bought into that notion, and I still don't, even after Fields committed. By the way, I'm stoked that he committed because he's the sort of guy who you look at and go, boy, I could see him being a high-level player. Can't guarantee it. It's a crapshoot, but I could see it. He's got four stars next to his name for a reason. He didn't get them by accident. They weren't gifted to him. He didn't buy them. He was given them. So I I, I look at this sort of recruitment and say, okay, great. The Big Ten help us land this kid. It didn't help us. 
and we didn't need it to land the 21 other kids in the class. You may have a couple kids a class who feel swayed by this sort of stuff, who say, hey, I'm you know, wanting to play in this conference or I want to play in, in that conference or, or, or what have you, and that's, that's fine. But to pretend that it's an overwhelming majority or it's a majority or even a sizable number at this point, I don't see the evidence that that's the case. Do I feel that Oregon's recruiting potential under Dan Lanning is measurably higher in the Big Ten than it would have been in the pack or than it was in the pack for the last year? No. Is it higher? Probably. Because you can have a couple kids like this. Because you don't have to worry about, you know, if you'd been on that Apple deal, kids worrying about playing there and not getting seen, which I always thought was an overblown concern uh, to, to begin with. But sure. I'll give you 10% maybe, but it's not fundamentally changing. Dan Lanning is not about to take Oregon's recruiting because we're in the big 10 to top to, you know, the top five level or the top two or the number one class in the country. Like that's not what was holding him back. We're still the university of Oregon. There's still geographical realities with regards to getting kids to commit there from Florida or Texas or anywhere in the South. It's a long ways away. Not everybody wants to do it. Some do. Some are attracted to Oregon. Brand is pretty strong. Program's in a good spot. Lanning's a great recruiter. There are a lot of great recruiters on staff. But to say that this is going to just radically shift the ground, I just don't see it. And I do see the evidence that recruiting feels kind of the same, which is Oregon flipped the defensive back from USC. Okay, that one was because of the Big Ten move. But if this is such a, such a ground-shifting movement to the Big Ten on the recruiting front, then why did Jeremiah McClellan go to Ohio State? Because it's still Ohio State. And I think brands are more important than conferences to most kids. And that's still going to largely influence recruiting. It's like NIL. So when NIL started, people thought, oh my gosh, this is this is going to change everything in recruiting. And I'm like, well, sure, some kids are going to get money that they weren't going to get before. Okay, I get that. But the best school, the recruiting rankings are not about to radically shift. And I was right about that. We've had NIL for I don't even know how long. It feels like forever, but it hasn't been. But I noticed the best recruiting schools in the country are still the best recruiting schools in the country. It's still Alabama, still Georgia, and Texas, and Oklahoma, and Texas A&M, and yeah, Oregon, and USC, and Penn State, and Michigan, and Clemson. I noticed that that hasn't changed. I don't think this is doing a whole heck of a lot either. Dan Lang's recruiting potential has not measurably changed because we're in the Big Ten. It might have gone up a little bit, but it hasn't measurably changed. The five stars are not about to come flooding in just because we joined the Big Ten. So, anyway, those are my thoughts on that. By the way, Dakota Fields, good-looking prospect. Good-looking cornerback prospect. And I love Oregon's DB room this year, and they are deep going forward. It's just it's a bunch of blue-chip talent across the board. I'm I'm here for it. Uh, last thing, our fun question of the day. Love doing these. Adds a nice kind of, you know, easygoing tone to uh, to wrap up the show. Love these mailbag questions. This is from Oregon XYZ. Spencer, what do you think about Big Ten mascots versus Pac-12 mascots? Michigan and some other programs do not even have mascots. Sparty, Michigan State, is a favorite of mine. For reasons I cannot disclose, I also love Sparty. But I also love Sparky at Arizona State. 
So if you're talking about matchups that are great, I know I was taking a jab at the Nittany Lions earlier. The Penn State Nittany line is pretty cool. I, I, do, I do like that one. Um, Brutus is iconic, though. Like, the most iconic mascots, if we're being real in the country, it's probably Brutus number one, and it's probably the Duck number two. Like, those are Lee Corso's favorites. Brutus was his first, and, and the Duck might, be, might have been his favorite. Might, might still be his, his, his favorite, if you ask him. He's always loved the Duck. And, and I think both those mascots have a really strong brand. The whole thing with the Duck push-ups from the Chip Kelly era, God, that was fun. But... I, I, I think the, that Michigan State is probably the school's one of the better mascots in the Big Ten. Again, I'm slightly biased there. I can't tell you why, but I also think the mascot looks fantastic. Got a great name. Got a great vibe. I think the Boilermaker at Purdue is pretty slept on um, as, as, as far as mascots go. I'm not a fan of schools that just like don't have one like Michigan. Like, come on, come on, Michigan, have some fun. Have just like a little bit of fun. It's college football. It's supposed to be fun. Um, I don't know if Wisconsin, I don't remember if, if Wisconsin had, has one, but the, the pack mascots on the whole, there, there are some really strong ones. And then there's some like USC's Trojan. It's okay. But like the Cougar at Washington State, that's a dude. The Duck, that's a dude. Sparky at Arizona State, that's a dude. I I, I like the ones that that you brought up. But overall, I I think there's just a lot. I think there's a lot of hit and miss in every conference. I don't think there's a dominant mascot conference in in college football. So at least we're not going in outnumbered there. In fact, the Duck. Again, I think it's him and Brutus, who apparently, I'll eat some crow here, maybe Brutus did know when he posted that picture. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and as always, go Ducks.